Welcome, beautiful thinkers. I'm afraid uh, I don't have uh, an interview for you again today. I have been quite busy with the festivities and the, the preparation and the execution here at Anacapuco and sunny Acapulco Guerrero. So uh, I just wanted to present this episode talking about my experience of, of public speaking for the first time at Anacapuco and some mental processes that I'm trying to go through the kind of beliefs and, and thought patterns that I was trying to include or tr trying to embody in myself that helped me reduce my nerves or, tr or transmute them, help, help me enjoy the experience more. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Welcome everybody. So I'm still here in sunny Acapulco, Guerrero. Came down here to present at the conference. So it was interesting because I was talking to my friend Ana Gaeta the other day, or a few weeks ago, and I mentioned something to her about the prayer of Jabaz in Chronicles. And the, it's kind of weird because you read this passage, you read the, the book of Chronicles, and a lot of the surrounding texts, the surrounding verses, are just about who had this son and this daughter, and it's all this genealogical information. And then there's just this passage in the middle of it where it says... And Jabaz prayed for the Lord to expand his territory. And that wish was granted. Or that prayer was granted. And it's very unusual. Like, what was so special about this, this guy, Jabaz? And there's a whole book about that. Um, I forget the title, but I'll put the, the link in the notes on the site there. And... After talking to Anna about that, I said, okay, why don't I take that advice or, <laughs> or explore that idea? And I did pray. I prayed for an expansion of my territory that I could share more of my gifts with the world. Just as, as it says in the New Testament, nobody... <laughs> This is a, a passage that I think about a lot when I wonder, oh, should I have the confidence? Should I step forward? Sh should I uh, show this part of myself or sh share this song or this, this podcast or this idea or whatever? And the passage go goes something like, nobody would take a lantern or a candle and put it under their coffee table and cover it with a rug and a blanket so nobody could see it. No. Uh, a lantern is meant to be placed clearly in the center of the room so that all may share in its light. And I've, I think, think about that a lot. So, yes, I, I wanted to share more of my gifts. And it so happened, just a few days later, my uh, 
motiva- motivated and enthusiastic and talented assistant, Lily Forrester, she told me, Oh, uh, you've been invited to speak at Anacapulco. So Lily, also being on the organizational team for the event, has been a strong advocate for me. So she kept telling them, like every meeting she was in, uh, suggesting maybe Kurt could speak. And finally a space opened up for me. So I had a chance to speak yesterday on the third day of the event. And I was thinking about this because in a sense, I was surprised coming up to the, the grand moment yesterday. I was a bit nervous, but I, I, I'd say I wasn't anywhere as near as nervous as I expected to be. <laughs> uh, so I kind of surprised myself. And I thought about the, the various things, the, the mental processes or the thought patterns that I had around this. And I thought maybe maybe uh, this could be modeled and people could think about this. And, and of course, it's thanks to many people who've uh, helped me look at my own thinking or suggested different ways of looking at the situation. On Tuesday, my friend Luis Fernando Mises gave a speech. And one important thing that he mentions often in his speeches is the, the words of one of his mentors Thoughts plus feelings equals emotions. So the feelings that we have, like this, the sensations, the raw sensations in our body of of excitement or nerves or whatever it is, they don't necessarily have a full meaning until we start thinking or interpreting them. So, um, also <laughs> along the same lines, I'm talking to. Again, talking to Anna before the speech yesterday, and she said to me, well, you know, nervousness and excitement are so very similar. So uh, if if you're in a, a tough spot or you're feeling very nervous, just remind yourself how excited you are. And I definitely took that to heart. So standing there before the speech, getting ready, I thought to myself, okay, there is something going on within me. And I affirmed to myself, wow, I am really excited to be here. And it's quite remarkable how reframing your internal experiences like that can start to change the, the way you experience them very quickly. And of course, I also spend a lot of time preparing for the speech. And uh, I guess in in some sense, I have been preparing for this for a long time to do more public speaking, doing so much work on this podcast and other podcasts, practicing my speeching, my speaking. (laughs) Okay, that's ironic. Practicing my speaking, being aware of my words, trying to cut down that fatal (laughs) problem which is when we say um uh, the thing that we try to limit so much like in Toastmasters and other speaking practices I also try to analyze my beliefs a little and think about being realistic about what was happening because of course the worst thing that could happen is maybe I feel 
a bit embarrassed. Maybe the crowd doesn't receive my speech that well. I noticed this when we would do presentations in high school, and I would think, oh, okay, actually, you know what happens if somebody gives a mediocre speech? Nobody pays attention, they just tune out. So there's nothing really to be embarrassed about if that happens. They probably won't even remember it. But if you give a great speech, they probably will remember it. So in a sense, you've got really nothing to lose. My friend Link used to say to me that so many times performing, at least in the early days, he would be like doing a freestyle or something or perhaps maybe on the verge of forgetting a lyric, uh, missing a line or whatever it was. And when he got it, after so many times of going through these motions or going through these performances and people would come up to him afterwards and congratulate him for a show well done. And he started to put it together like the crowd is on your side. He said to me, they always want you to make it. They're rooting for you. <laughs> they identify with you in, in some regard, like they see somebody up on stage putting themselves out there and, and being vulnerable. You know, whether they're into your speech or not, they, they kind of respect that you're putting yourself out there. You're going into the, the arena. People, people kind of acknowledge that on whatever level. Some people are more conscious of it, especially people who have been on stage. Uh, they will know how difficult it can be. And they will appreciate whatever effort you make. My friend Madman in Newcastle used to say to us, like at MC battles, he would say, it doesn't matter what you do up there. Anyone who, who gets up there and does something is better than the best critic who stands on the sidelines. Well, he probably didn't phrase it exactly like that, but that, that was <laughs> that's basically what he said. So I, I thought, okay, so what am I doing? I'm getting up there, like one way of thinking about it, perhaps a, an, an immature thought pattern about this is, I'm going up there, I might bomb or something like that. So I try to think of it more like, I'm going up and, and I'm gonna express myself. And whatever the crowd responds, of course, I express myself. And the, this is a, a key part of the speech. So. By the way, the, the speech is, I'll have to wait about 30 days before I publish it. And I'll probably put up the video on YouTube on the Paradise Paradox channel and also publish it on, on this podcast. But uh, yeah, the response was, was great. About 12, 13 people came up to me, shook my hand, said nice speech or that was amazing. Or one person even said, you moved me with your words which, uh, <laughs> you know, I love it when people say that. So I did put the, the effort into the speech and do my best to practice and be vulnerable. So that was a, a very important point. And, yeah, again, talking to Anna before the speech, she said a little prayer to me 
And one, one of the key points of the prayer was like, put your trust in the divine. And she even sent me, I'll just look it up here, this passage, a little verse from Romans, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I thought about that and felt the emotions that they go behind that verse there. And that, <laughs> that also helped a lot. Of course, a lot of people don't believe in God. In a sense, I say if you're an atheist, you're kind of missing out if, <laughs> if not on something that is accurate, you know, where, whether it's accurate or not to, to believe in God. Uh, I, it's, in a sense, it's hard to say. <laughs> That's why so many people are agnostic. But I'm missing out on, on this experience of having trust in something greater than oneself. And that's why it's part of the reason why a program like Alcoholics Anonymous, despite its, you know, whatever flaws or criticisms people have, has been so powerful and transformative for so many people for so many years because they, they say, put, put your faith in, in something greater than yourself or to put, put a, a part of yourself in something greater than yourself. And it's, of course, the, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous are talking about God, but I guess we can find something else to, to put our faith in. A lot of people in the New Age community or, you know, other people who are interested in these ideas, they'll say stuff like, put, put your faith in the, in the universe or, you know, that's what the universe wanted for me or, or something like that. I'm trying to think... <laughs> of a way that this would fit into the, the head of, of an atheist because I, I am surrendering a part of myself in a sense. I'm, tr I'm trying to trust. Well, one aspect of this is I can have trust in my own mental faculties. So I can trust that I'm going to figure things out. I can trust that if the situation changes, I can adapt. And of course, if I look at my past history, all the situations that I've been in, I can draw on that resource and say, you know what? Just about every scrape that I've got into, I've somehow found a way out. And often, actually, often when I get into a mess, I emerge better than before. So, what's the fear, right? And we can put that kind of faith in ourselves or in the universe or in God or whatever you want to call it in uh, our subconscious, perhaps our unconscious mind that has a lot of resources that we can draw on. When people talk about this, I think Eckhart Tolle talks about this, like the right resource will come in the right moment when you need it and of course in in this case i practiced this the speech a lot but i'd say well perhaps <laughs> even if i got up 
without any preparation, I'd probably come up with something. I probably would. <laughs> and uh, so would so many people. If they were put in that position, they'd manage to find the strength in themselves. I did. It did occur to me, uh, I, I guess, uh, I'm not sure how, how positive this thought pattern is, but I, I, I wonder about it. So just put out here so we can explore it a little bit as I'm speaking. It did occur to me, like, what am I going to do if I don't get up there? What am I going to do? Like run away and, and hide? Ben Swan is going to say my name. And I'm going to say, sorry, I'm, I'm out of here. I drop the microphone and run away <laughs> and leave those people hanging so they don't get to hear my speech. Uh, that's, well, that's not going to happen. I, I got a firm no on that one. So if I have to step, <laughs> step on stage, I'm not even stepping into a lion's den like Daniel. I'm just stepping on stage. <laughs> uh, before a bunch of people and I did beforehand I imagined okay so what if I were in say a theater like a old style theater like the Teatro Delgado in Guadalajara what if I, I'm in a theater like that and you probably fit about 1500 people in, in the balconies and in the seats and everything uh, what if I'm like that? It's still just people. Or what if not a lot of sh people show up to my speech there? Well, it's uh, still just people. And even if it's just eight people, uh, probably going to be a good time. It's even more intimate. In a sense, I think so sometimes events are a little more intimidating when there aren't a lot of people. Because then it's like, okay, you're going to have to connect a little more with the audience and I've seen that uh, like in a comedy club in Guadalajara when there was only about eight six eight people in the audience and the, the comedians had to do some crowd work and things and and establish some rapport with the audience so <laughs> it's kind of funny I mean you can look at it either way like speaking before a small crowd is, is that more scary? Speaking before a big crowd, is that more scary? Or is it just all the same? Because, you know, it's, they're just people anyway. And of course, it's a good thing that I, I got the chance to, to meet a lot of these people before I speak because I can, I can have that rapport with them. They already kind of trust me and, and like me a bit. Uh, so that definitely helps. I guess maybe some, some people still might have this rock star mentality like from the 60s or 70s which is kind of a myth by the way uh but the idea was like there, there would be these these big rock stars like mick jagger or jim morris or something and they would be so arrogant that they they wouldn't talk to people normally it's not like that normally it's 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 not the literal prima donna like not the literal first singer who has that attitude Normally, it's like some supporting staff, like a recording engineer who thinks he's hot because he's recording for the Rolling Stones. Uh, so the real people, um, the, the real celebrities, they, they are kind and, and humble. 
so if if that's a you know I know I don't think a lot of people have that fantasy these days like I want to be rich and famous so I can brush people off uh, whenever I feel like it I I, I think people mostly uh, let go of that idea I hope I hope they have but that's the that's my point is if if you're open and kind and humble then then uh, people already on your side and if you can bring them some truth some personal truth show some vulnerability then so much the better and they'll they'll trust you even more and then that is the key point as well about vulnerability it might seem difficult to get up on stage and, and be a little emotional but wow when when people see you up on stage and see that you're getting emotional and being real with them well they appreciate that so much and what can be more real <laughs> putting yourself out there and being authentic in the moment uh, even admitting something which is uncomfortable to admit as as I did in that speech so those are some thoughts <laughs> about my speech and I hope to get that up soon in the next month or so 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 everybody out there can hear it I hope a lot of people enjoyed it uh, and I'm certainly having a great time here in Anacapulco so many fresh faces which is wonderful people of course I <laughs> so many people ask me Anacapulco what's th what's that about I say well it's, it's just an event for peaceful anarchists but I say really it's it's about all kinds of people people who are interested in improving the world who are trying to look for different ways to do that by entrepreneurship or spirituality introspection meditation all kinds of things plant medicines of course all kinds of avenues that we can use to improve our lives and improve the world. And, you know, I think it just might work. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. And uh, I hope you look out for that speech. And uh, that's, uh, those are the important things. I'll talk to you soon and have a fantastic day.